0: Just got to see me another
1: day. All right, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. Just finished our first hour of the show live on the Drew Marshall Show, devoted solely to the art of music. Heather Luckhart performing live.
0: Good way to start awesome. off the oh, year. Oh
1: yeah, that was great. She's amazing. Um. Uh...
0: Are you, are you desperately trying to avoid this next section? Is that what that is? You're just uh, dragging things out? A little bit. We could talk about the weather.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Well, well let me read the setup, because that'll uh, depersonalize it a little bit. <laughs> Even though it's all about you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know what? When I first... Well, hold on. Let me just read this.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: every Saturday for the next few weeks, we're going to do, at 2 o'clock, a segment called Crawling Back to the Light. How does someone come back to God, quote-unquote, come back? Back in 2010, after seven years of hosting this show, I came out. I admitted during an interview with Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias that I was no longer convinced there was a God. Uh, Mostly because after 30 years of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, quote unquote, with the attitude in the voice, I realized that this God I was serving wasn't actually all that personal. So I decided to go public as a doubter, not an atheist. Just a doubter. I mean, a full-fledged doubter. No longer considering myself part of the evangelical tribe of certainty. So I left. I left organized religion. I left the church. And I left it up to God to reveal himself to me through one of those tangible encounters I kept hearing so many of my tribes speak about. If you want to uh, read more about that journey, I don't know why you would, but if you want to read more about that journey, you can go to DrewMarshall.ca and click on Droogle, Drew's search for God. See what we did there?
0: Yeah, that was one of my favorite little punny things that you've done. Really? Yeah, it was just... It's clever. Thanks. You can do that once in a while.
1: <laughs> once in a while, something like that comes and your up.
0: Your dog's poops are small. Things are looking up oh, already.
1: Because of some fractured relationships in my world, with me, of course, being the common denominator, 2017 ended up being the worst year of my life. So that just sounds melodramatic when I say but that. No, There's I've known you long, to long enough to,
0: to, to sort of back that up, being des- you know, definitely your, your top three at least. <laughs>
1: So I've decided that since my way didn't work, it's time to crawl back to the light. I've decided to once again do this publicly as well. And this is the part that gets weird because this is the kind of stuff I like to suffer with by myself. You will attest to that, Tim.
0: Oh, yeah. Both of us are like that.
1: And when and then when people say, well, what are you, are you doing it for radio? It's like when I came out about not, not being convinced there's a God anymore. I remember Diane Cannon. We used to be married to Carrie Grant, left me a voicemail message. And she, oh, said, yeah. she said, I found out what you were doing, and I just want to know if, if this is for real or this is for ratings. And I was so bugged. Angry, yes. She wasn't the only one that said that either. It's like Didn't
0: she say she was going to spank you too because yeah, no, you were said, such a bad boy said, for doing it?
1: She said, if it's true, I'm going to spank you. Said, Whoa, easy there. Yeah. Easy. Anyway, um, as embarrassing as it is to admit personal and spiritual failure, quote-unquote, a lot of quote unquoting happening. My hope is that others experience, others that are experiencing the, uh, similar frustrations, might learn something from my conversation with a few people who've had a profound impact on my life. I'm still not sure if there's a God or not, but my life apparently was better when I thought there was a God. <laughs> <laughs> so now what do I do? Today's guest. Today's guest. To start off our very first crawling back to the light segment. Is a woman who I I kinda like I'm a little scared of. <laughs> yeah, but you're also like a huge fan of, too. Just because she's just uh transparent. Yes. I love that about her. She's an author, she's the co founder of Saddleback Church, wife of best selling purpose driven life guy, what's his face? Buddy What's His Face?
0: <laughs> Buddy, what's his name?
1: <laughs> her website is KWarren.com. And she joins us right now, all the way from California. Hello, K Warren.
2: Hi, Drew. Hi, Tim. Hey,
1: how are you?
2: You're not the only one nervous. I am, like, chewing my fingernails down to the nub. I'm swiveling in my chair. I'm bouncing my leg. I've got a pit in my stomach.
0: Why? Have you got something after this? <laughs> yes, <there's, laughs> do you have an event coming up later? <laughs>
2: oh. No, because this feels, as I said in an email to you when you first asked me if I would do it, it's so sacred, and it feels, it feels important. Important, You know, I yep. mean, it's not just like the goofball stuff you guys do sticking pencils in your noses and, you know, um, making ridiculous jokes about everything, which is all really fun because, you know, we got to laugh. But this, I don't want to mess it up.
1: Well, it's too important. Yeah. OK, hold on, though. The reason I asked you to do this is because you, you can't mess it up. It's impo- like there's no such thing as messing it up. You know, as long as you... As long as I can have a very authentic and transparent and vulnerable conversation with somebody about this, uh, which is what I feel that you and I can have. That's why I asked you. So what are you going on? Well, about I, was,
0: I, I think I know where she's coming from. I mean it was sort of the same vibe when, when we happened with Drugal is, is is people feel pressure to bring you back, quote-unquote, if we're doing the whole <laughs> no. quote-unquote thing. And i I, you know,
2: I don't I, want I, to speak for you, I but – I don't want to say. I don't want to say something that's just so completely stupid and asinine that.
1: No, that's my job. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you do it so well. Um, I just don't want to join those ranks. Um,
1: Come on over. Uh, the water's fine. Yeah, seriously. I was going to say drink the Kool-Aid, but it's probably more like Red Bull. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, anyway, listen.
2: it's. I'm really glad, I'm really glad you invited me, and um, mm-hmm. so I'm, yeah, I've got papers spread all over the place. I've been thinking like crazy, this is, like, number one thing on my mind for the last few days, and um, so, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Here we go. If I was uh, someone actually in your life, as opposed to just over the phone and living in a different country and, you know, radio show, pastor relationship kind of stuff, I um, and and you you saw me walk away from it all and just kind of couldn't do anything about it, just let me be, let me do my own thing. Um and then all of a sudden I knocked on your door and went, oh, I don't know what what's going on, but I'm I'm busted, I'm broken, and I don't feel that there's any other choice but to go back. Like that closing line said, I'm I'm still not sure there's a God K, but my life was better when I did think there was one. When I did think there was one. So what do I what do I do and what don't I do? Do I go back to church? Do I read my Bible every day? Do I pray every day? Like, is it just a matter of launching into the spiritual disciplines again?
2: Um, I think there's there's a place for that and there's a time for that and uh, probably sooner rather than later. But I would actually start at a different place than um, what you do. Um, I would, I think I would probably start with the the questions of why, you know, how did you get to this place? Um, hmm. I think, you know, I would sit and I'd say, okay, so just, just talk to me about um, how many years ago that I, I didn't, seven, seven. How long? Yeah, seven, seven years, years ago, time. I would, I would probably, well, here I am, I'll say it. Um, tell me, how did you get to this place? How did it get from where you were to where you are now? And if I, yeah, I'm just going to ask you that and then I would tell you what I would guess would be some things, but, you know, I would just start there. How did you get here?
1: How did get to this place of... Brokenness, quote unquote. Since we're doing yeah, quote how unquote, did,
2: what, yeah. Seven years ago, you made a decision. Right, I stopped. To,
1: I, I made a decision yes. to pull away from the tribe because I, right. after thirty years of being, you know, Jesus guy, pastor, and everything else, I just um, I wanted to explore my doubts. My kids were old enough where I felt I could cut the rope, the safety rope. As I walked down the road of doubt, I would always have that rope or, you know, the trail of breadcrumbs, so I could get back when it got too scary down the road of doubt. This time I, I severed the rope and I just, I went for it. And I wanted to believe, I wanted to figure out if what I was believing was true or was the truth just being propped up by spiritual disciplines, by tribal conditioning. Because if I, anything that I want to get better at, I have to, you have to practice. You have, like there's. There's exercise involved. There's, you know, if I want my body to be in shape, I gotta, I gotta work at it. Um, so, I, yeah, I just wanted to know. That's really
2: surface stuff. That's really surface. What was below that?
1: I was frustrated with the lack of tangible interaction that I was sold on. The tribe told me time and time again by whoever they put up on stage during little testimony time. And all the little small group and home groupy people with their little testimonies and stories about how God tangibly interacted with them. I felt God say this. I heard God say that. I prayed for a parking spot. You know, that's a cheesy thing. But you know what I mean? God showed up. God showed up. And as I look back over 30 years of my Jesus life, I kind of looked at it with a different perspective, hindsight, and went, I'm not sure that's been a reality. And people say, well, of course God showed up. Look how blessed you are. You've got this. You've got this. I don't want Daddy's toys. I want Daddy. I don't want his stuff. I want Daddy to put his arm on my shoulder and say, "I'm here, dude. I'm here."
2: Yeah, I. You know, I'm not as obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a philosopher. I I really am just a fellow pilgrim, and um, and I think what I hear, you know, I can't see you. I can't see your body language. I can't. I just have to go off what I'm hearing you say, and to me it just screams disappointment, pain wounds from your childhood. Um, I mean, those things are just like, feel like they're just sitting right there on the, just even the, the language you chose, the analogy you used. Um, I think I hear a disappointment that God didn't meet your expectations. And, um, you, there was a, A desire for intimacy and relationship yes and closeness that you weren't experiencing yes and when we feel that in our lives spiritually a lot of times there are places in our life experience where we have been wounded and some of the people in our lives um, particularly when we're kids Some of the people who were supposed to love us well didn't. Some of the people who were supposed to be intimate with us um, weren't. Or some of the people who were supposed to give us that kind of sense of belovedness didn't. They held us at arm's length. They seemed to give it to other people but not to us. Um, And those things shape what we expect of God, and they shape what we feel like, when it doesn't happen in that way. And like I said, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know your background. I don't know anything about you. That's, you know, that's up to you to choose what of that you want to respond to. But if I were just, you know, if we were sitting across the table having a a cup of coffee and you said that to me, those are kind of the places I would go. And I would say, yeah, no wonder it felt cold and empty when people were standing on stage or, or in their Bible study group talking about how God, you know, had met them and God had spoken to them yep. and you and you're looking there going, man, why don't I feel that? How come I don't get some of that? And um and the, after a while that can truly erode um Confidence in God, it can set up I hear anger. I hear a lot there was a lot of passion in your voice. Um, you weren't saying that dispassionately. there was anger, um, there was bitterness, there was disappointment and 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 really such a tender longing there drew I mean you you gave the picture of a dad coming and sitting down next to you on the couch. You just wanted the dad to put his arm around you and say man you i love you i'm crazy about you let's talk let's let's just sit here and be together cuz man you matter so much to me and that wasn't happening
1: um yeah yeah i okay well let us let's, let's jump into hold on i got want to back up a second then i want to go forward into wh- how do i crawl back so just to clarify What the leaving was about. There's two analogies I've always used, or I don't know, story things. Uh, For whatever reason, all all story or all analogies fall apart. But I'm like a soldier goes overseas, and my dad gives me a bag of letters to read while I'm gone. And I happen to be there for 30 years. For whatever reason, I can't get back. There's no Skyping or whatever. It's just the letters. It's all I got. My dad's letters. 30 years, 30 years, 30 years, reading these letters, letters, letters. And I just want an, 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 a fresh interaction with my dad. And for whatever reason, my soldier buddies get to go overseas back you know, to where my dad is, or whatever. And, and they come back with great stories of how cool my dad is. And it feels like it's his dad, their dad or whatever. And, oh, you you know, all these interactive stuff. And f- for whatever reason, I can't. So I'm sitting there just with these letters and I want more. I want more. And then someone, uh, that's one analogy. And the other person, you know, somebody said to me one time, you're going to get to the end of this, Drew, and you're going to realize God's been right there the whole time. So then I go into this analogy. I'm in a, uh, in my house, i'm a a kid there's a party going on there's adults everywhere i lose uh, track of my dad can't find him anywhere i start to panic i call out his name call out his name and uh, and all the people in the room are like it's okay he's right behind you i turn around he's not there i turn around he's not there no he's okay he's right he's he's right there with you what kind of a cruel joke is that you know a friend of mine said to me the other day i kind of it's like i hear people in another room having a great conversation with 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 my father and I opened up the door, or Jesus, whatever, you know, thing. I opened up the door and all of a sudden I just catch the 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 little a little bit of his garment leaving the room. It's like don't it's the ultimate Homer Simpson thing of like, ah, oh, geez, missed it by that much. It seems like other people are getting something that I am not. So that's in the past. All I know now, Kay, is that life sucks and it didn't go the way I'd hoped. And it's, all I know is life is, is worser, real word. And it looked, it seems like it was better back when I, when I believe there was a God. So I, I, I don't, the math makes sense. I guess I need to crawl back.
2: (laughs) Um, I, you, 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 you keep using dad analogies. I can't, I can't, I can't get past that. And, um. I mean, even though you used a war story, it still had dad in it, and your party story had dad in it, and your first analogy of wanting somebody to sit on the couch with their arm around you was dad. So, I mean, yeah, I don't have to have some elevated degree in, in psychology to just see that there's something there. And I don't know. I'm not really asking you.
1: What are you saying? Do you have daddy issues?
2: Well, they seem to be <laughs> right there on the surface. But I'm not asking you to go into detail about that on the air as much as I'm just saying it seems like there's something pretty profound there. And I don't know your background.
1: Mm. <clears throat> well, look, my dad and I are are. are you know, have a, have a really beautiful relationship right now. We didn't, obviously, growing up, I was just a rat bag. And, uh, but, man, as a matter of fact, I said goodbye to him a couple of weeks ago when I was visiting him at the house. And he, he said, come here. And he, he gave me a hug. And he said, just stay here for a minute. And I can't remember the last time. Like, that was a really, really cool and tender moment. And we really didn't connect until after my mom died, which has now since been uh, 28 years. Um, so I don't know if I have daddy issues. But I think every one of us, uh, all of our parents have screwed up somehow. I've screwed up my kids in so many ways. But I absolutely,
2: and I don't want—I don't want to just camp on that and say, "Oh, here's here's what's going on." You have a father issue, uh, you know. Tie it up with a bow. We're done here. I don't—I don't mean that. I just—I was just listening. You know, I'm just prayerfully listening to what you're saying. And so, if if I if I were talking to somebody, one of your listeners, I've got this junk in my throat here. It always happens when you get on the radio interview, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's just like clockwork. Um, if I were talking to somebody, even besides you, a listener, I would I would start with how did you get to where you are? What What are the wounds? What are the disappointments? I think you've named, you know, really pretty clearly. You've been really articulate about this this huge sense of letdown with God, and and this sense that other people, you said it, you know, other people are have something that you don't have, it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right, you did all the right things, you, went, you did all the right prayers, you did all the right disciplines, you did all the spiritual formation, you were at church, you were a pastor, you memorized scripture, you um, witnessed, I mean, you gave your tithe, I mean, you did all the right things, and doggone it, at the end of the day, you don't feel any closer than you did, and and that just doesn't seem fair.
1: Yep. yep. Tim Tim, you know me better than most. Are you is that a good summary?
0: Yeah. And I was just saying earlier, I mean, if this was all a publicity stunt, you've been doing it well for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Right? So this is a reality too.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I hear it. And I've known it, you know, I've I've known it. I knew you before and I've known you since. Um and so I, I completely believe it. And so I think what I to me it's important to kind of say to clarify. Okay, how did I get here? What were the things? And for most people, um, it's gradual. You know, it's 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 a little moments in which you know something happens. It could be something small, um, but but your mind goes to the man. God, that wasn't fair. Or wow, that stung or that hurts, and, and so over time, is that does erode, um, you know, that sense of, of intimacy and confidence and belief in God, until one day, you, you know, maybe you, I don't know if it was kind of a gradual awakening, if you woke up one day and went, oh my gosh, there is a Grand canyon size gap between me and my faith and me and God, and I'm not sure that the gap is reparable. Um, and yet, I hear you today. You know, on this particular day, saying, "Okay, I don't know how to mend that gap. I don't know how to cross the chasm." You know, I mean, I'm one side I'm on one side of the Grand Canyon, and God, if He even exists, is sitting there on the other side, and I'm still back at that place. And even your question to me of, "Okay, so how do I get back? Do I start just reading my Bible, going to church, praying, tithing?" You know, do I just start back with doing? And I would say, no no, 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 especially for you. Yes, there is a place for that, and I would come to that in a moment, but that's not the starting place. The starting place, really, for me, it would be to walk with you through helping you discover, maybe for the first time in your life, the belovedness, your belovedness, um, and what God really thinks about you. And it's not even so much the, okay, yeah, he's he's here. Oh, you missed him. You missed him by half. No, I mean, it's really just that sense. I feel like it just feels clear. You don't really think God, if he does exist, that you're like beloved. Because if you were beloved, then you would get those same Messages that other people get, you would get those same, you know, warm feelings when you walk into church or in prayer, and and you're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, not there, not there, it's not there, and so the stuff that you do right now isn't going to bring you no,
1: back. No. So is it just a matter of of? maybe i stopped because i felt i couldn't pretend anymore so maybe i need to go back to pretending there's an l el- that word pretending needs to factor into this for me because if i'm not sure there's a god isn't that what faith really is in some ways it's a pretend thing not that not i mean you're taking a chance that something invisible is real
2: yeah you're certainly taking a chance absolutely because yeah absolutely because as much as you want your you want god to sit down on the couch and put his arm around your shoulders that ain't going to
1: happen no it's not
2: i mean i i cannot help but i know we're talking about you but my son matthew who took his life four and a half years ago I this just reminds me so much of the years of conversation of where he was and he would say to me, I just want God to sit down on the couch, face to face, talk to me. Why won't he do that? Um, now Matthew had some pretty severe mental illness because he really believed that God could do that. I mean would do that. And and um and was frustrated that God literally didn't do that. I hear, you know, yours is coming from a theoretical, you know God's not going to sit down on the couch and put his arm around you. But isn't there a little part of you that goes, well, doggone it, why not?
1: Sure, of course. And, And again, people say... Well, you're just being selfish. You just, you know, you want you want to be special. You want. To, well, I'm told I'm special. Uh, the tribe has told me I'm special. The Bible has told me I'm special. And and so, but I'm not going to put parameters on how God shows up and and puts His hand on my shoulder. Um, I, that's up to God. God knows. God created me. God knows what I struggle with. God knows what the the darkness is in the battle. So if there is a God, then he knows what, I, what I'm yearning for. What I'm yearning for is just some kind of connection. And then people go, well, your connection is based on your disciplines. You've got to read your Bible. You'll feel connected. You've got to pray, and you'll feel connected. Uh, and then the other—this the, uh, is where I've kind of come to, Kay. God doesn't actually interact uh, with with humans unless he interacts with humans through humans. Hmm.
2: Mm. I don't agree. I think that's a big part of it, and that would be one of the things I would that I, I will tell you that you, yeah, you desperately need to you know go back to church, be in a small you know eventually small group. I would say join Celebrate Recovery, um, not because you necessarily have any particular hurt habit or hang up that you know would fall into the category of an addiction, but because because the people in CR Celebrate Recovery. They just don't pull any punches; they are the realest people I know. They don't hide, they don't pretend they don't they're not constantly looking to put a bow on the package and tie everything up all neat and clean. They are some of the most desperate people in the world who, in their spirit who've just said, "You know what? I can't make it really in this life without God, and they come they have come crawling some of them bloody and um, bruised um, to God. And so, yes, I highly, you got that that is necessary. But I also know that God does, I do believe that God speaks in nature. I do believe, I'm sitting here looking out this window and it's a windy day here in Southern California and I'm watching, um, I'm looking at the clouds and I'm looking at the, just the, the way they're formed and there's a part of me that, I am drawn to God. I I I am my spirit does communicate with him. So he does communicate in beauty and in nature and um it is most tangible though through other people. That's true.
1: Yeah, that whole nature thing um I've always kind of bought into well you know, God, I think one of the way God communicates to us is through his creation, nature. And then I go, well, what if nature is just nature? <laughs> what if I'm just somebody that likes the trees and the ocean and the view and the cattle and the animals? And what if nature is just nature?
2: Hmm. Um, well, I, I mean, I suppose you could think it's all just random and See, weird. It I, I, doesn't feel that to me. It,
1: what I need help with is I need help getting rid of the yabuts yeah because I'm I'm just at, I got nothing left, Kay. Yeah, I
2: hear
1: that. I can't go forward crawling with yabuts, yeah with a bag of yabuts yeah on my butt, on my back. Yep. I can't. You, yep. you know how hard it is to crawl, period? And then when you put a big pack of yabuts yeah on your back, it's brutal. So I got yeah. to get rid of the yabuts. Yeah I don't know. Yeah.
2: Okay. So I, I, to me, you know, at some point, I mean, it sounds like you've made the decision to crawl back, which is truly the starting place. Um, I mean, you, you made a conscious decision to walk away and you're making a conscious decision
1: to walk back. Yeah. And I, as I I, I may have said this in an email, gee, I wish it was because I had some beautiful, you know, encounter with
2: Right. The Lord
1: Jesus Christ, and I, you know, had an epiphany or a vision or right. a, something. Spoke no, it's because my, it's because my, because my, I'll be careful Life how sucks I say this. right now. So. No, it's because, because I have
2: things are really bad. I right have now.
1: parts of my body that are in a vice right now, mm-hmm. and I and it just, I can't. I got no choice. No choice whatsoever. So there's a little begrudging. There's a little fine fine, right. frig. Right. That, that can't be a good start to spiritual right. recovery, is it?
2: Right. Okay, so I t- really have been, since you invited me earlier in the week, I really have been spending a ton of time just thinking, praying. Um, I mean, I have my own doubts. I've always had my own doubts. Um, I didn't. I've never walked away that fully as you did, but I've walked away a day at a time. I've walked away an hour at a time. I've walked away a week at a time. When Matthew died, I walked away for a couple of months at a time of just, for me, it wasn't that God didn't exist as much as, man, I think he's mean.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I really think he's there. I've had too many encounters with God. I'm 60, almost 64 years old. I've been a Christian since I was eight. I've had a lifetime, but man, I think you're mean, God. I had an experience as recently as early December. Um, I was trying to. I'd been asked to do a grief, uh, kind of a grief event for people going through grief in the holidays, and and um, we have a couple of different campuses at Saddleback here near our main campus, and at one of them is where we had Matthew's memorial service, and I have intentionally not gone back to that particular building in four and a half years because I didn't think I could do it. And um, I've been to parts of that church, but not to that particular building. And this grief event, I didn't pay attention to where it was going to be held. And as my assistant drives me up, you know, ten minutes before the event starts, I realize she's parking. I've been looking down at my notes. I realize she's parking in front of that building. Hmm. And I have to walk into that building where I last, was four and a half years ago, when, when I spoke at my son's memorial service, and I was in a complete panic. I mean, what am I going to do, leave 200 people who come because they need grief, comfort, am I going to just walk away and say, I'm going home, I can't do this? And so somehow I went in there with tears streaming down my face, and I stood on that stage, and I spoke of grief. And inside of me, inside of me, as tears were pouring down my face, I'm saying, God, this is just too much. You are mean to me. Why would you make me do this? Why would you make me come back to this place unprepared and speak on something so painful? And I, in my head, I could see myself literally pounding on Jesus' chest and just saying, I don't like you very much. And I can do that and say that to God and still be It's because of intimacy that I can yell at him, tell him I don't like him, tell him I don't like his ways, tell him I think he's mean. And I think that that is where we we can get in a walk with God that isn't based on all the, not all the nice things, it's not all the... God, you're good, which is true to me. Uh, God, you're wonderful. God, I trust you. Because really, sometimes in the intimacy of relationship, what you are saying is, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. You let my son die. I, I don't get that, God. But for me, even in that, those most desperate and broken places, as I have cried out, as you are in this moment where you are facing, I mean, life has fallen apart at your feet. It's, okay, where else would I go? It's not like there's some other God out there.
1: Yeah, but, it, it, hold on, we gotta, I'm so limited in time, I friggin' hate doing this stuff on radio, because it's like the clock, and this is a real conversation, but here's the thing, just to wrap this up, it, what if, hmm. In a marriage, is that sustainable? Well, what else would I do? Where else would I go? What am I going to be? Sing- I don't want to live by myself. So I might as well just stay here in the marriage.
2: It's a starting place.
1: Well, it's that's not meant.
2: It, it's not meant. You're not meant to camp there, but it is a starting place.
1: Yeah, no, that's Because fair.
2: sometimes when couples are are thinking of splitting up, um, they both may come back to that place where there's like, I don't really like you. <laughs> um, you know, I think you're, and then fill in the gap as I did with Jesus. I think you're mean, um, you know, so you can fill it. You, you can say, that's a starting place. Hey, I don't really like you. I don't know what there is here. I, I don't like the past. The present feels pretty crappy. I'm not sure where the future's going, but, um, I'm dragging myself back here and saying, let's start again. And so I think it's, it's, Sometimes all there is, and as such, man, I grab it and hold on to it. And for you as somebody who's saying, hey, God, I'm not even really sure you're real. I'm not really sure I like you. I think you've been mean to me. I think maybe you haven't been fair to me. You haven't met some of my needs. The past has not been what I wanted. The present is really sucky. And I'm not so sure about the future, but I'm dragging myself back here and saying, okay, can we start over?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay,
2: place to start.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this interview. I've had actually two people text me during that time and go, "You need to listen to that one again."
2: <laughs> well, and just I know you tell me you can cut me off if i if we need to close. But I, I was reading Psalm 73 this morning, verse two, and it says, "But I had al- <clears> that goes that stupid throat again. I had almost stopped believing. I had almost lost my faith, and then." The psalmist gives about eight verses of, you know what, other people have it so easy, they're not suffering, they don't have troubles like me, they're making fun of others, they're bragging, they're doing whatever, they're saying, how does God know? And it says, so why have I kept my heart pure? Why have I kept my hands from doing wrong? I've suffered all day long, I've been punished every morning. Um, And then the psalmist goes on to say, I tried to understand all of this, but it was too hard for me until I went to the temple of God. And then it says, okay, you're going to take care of all everybody else. And then when my heart was sad and I was angry, I was senseless and stupid. I acted like an animal toward you. And then God says, but I'm always with you. He says, I've, you've held my hand. You guide me. Later you will receive me. I have no one in heaven but you. I want nothing on earth beside you. My body and my mind may become weak, but God is his strength. He is mine forever." And that was just, I don't know, when I read that, I was just thinking of you so much. It's like, man, I, and the disciples in John 6, 68, where else would I go? So it's like, yeah, i got nowhere else to go. It's not like there's any other God that's going to do anything for me. It's not like there's any other deity out there. It's, and I'm surely not doing so great on my own. But it, just when I was reading that, when he says, I almost lost my faith. I almost lost it. Yeah. Um, I don't know.
1: Yep. Uh, Job 16 is someone, somebody said to me, oh, God, you have ground me down and devastated my family. As if to prove I have sinned, you've reduced me to skin and bones.
2: Hmm.
1: So anyway, yeah. listen, Kate. It's so
2: real. It's so real. It is so real. Yeah. And look,
1: I know I'm not the only one processing this stuff. So I don't want to sound like some, I don't know. No, but you're one of the
2: you know you're one of the few who wants who's willing to you know say it all out there and give other people the opportunity to um, realize that they are not alone in their devastating doubts either.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. You know, I actually like you, right?
2: (laughs) I consider us friends. I don't think of. I don't. I think you're my friend. Yeah.
1: Thanks. I think it helps us. There's a great distance between us. I think that helps our f- friendship.
0: <laughs> You're lucky. I only have a board
1: between me and him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have to deal with the real Drew. Oh, I do my to goodness. No Drew, right? Yeah.
1: Speaking about troubles. Uh, Kay, thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Can I just say one other thing? Yeah. Is there time for me to say one thing? Sure. Okay, so there's a book. That I would recommend you would read. It's called Holy Longing by Ronald Rollheiser And you know, like any book, I don't agree with everything in it, but um, I just think that there are a couple chapters in there that are really amazing. Mm. And um, I-, I was reading a map this morning too. And honestly, this this is, may sound cheesy. I don't know. This you're kind of like the death of Drew. Yep. And um, <laughs> there's the opportunity for the the rebirth of of a new person. Mm. And if you, if the old Drew, and I'm not even talking, I'm just saying the Drew of the dreams and the hopes and the who, who you've been in the past and, and where you're, when, if that Drew kind of dies a little bit and um, it actually opens up the possibility of, of, of a new guy, um, a brand new relationship, not just with God, but with other people. And to do that, you're going to have to grieve who you were and um, where you've been and, um, and actually I, I am really hopeful for you, not because I'm tying a big bow on the package, but, um, because I honor the process.
1: Okay. I like that. I honor the process. Or I could read Seeking Heart by Fenlon.
2: I love Seeking Heart. <laughs> She'll kick your butt all over the place.
1: A mutual friend of ours suggested I, I that, that's what you say. Remember Whitney Kelly? She told me I should, uh, Yep. yeah. Okay. I, yep. Thank you, Kate. Don't read
2: it yet. Don't read it yet. Okay, all right. Because you know what? It'll it'll be it'll be harsh. It'll be harsh. And right now, you you need the arm around your shoulder.
1: Uh, KWarren dot That's the plug. Because I love her. Okay, bye, Kay.
2: <laughs> bye, Drew. Bye, Tim.